Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. So once again, it's the Lakers Fast Break. Truly appreciate everybody watching and listening. Good to have you here, Professor Sean Grice. Thank you so much for being a part of what we do here at Lakers Fast Break University. But again, before I go on to today's class and today's symposium on the Lakers Fast Break, I do want to mention that, again, D'Angelo Russell, after coming off of today's practice, Will be a go for the Toronto Raptors game on Friday. It looks like he's going to be back into the lineup, so that's great news. I know that we were talking about that all week long here at the Lakers Fast Break, and he is finally coming back to the lineup after several games out with that ankle sprain. But speaking of ankle sprains, it was also noted to us that Mo Bamba is going to be out for up to four weeks, possibly even more, with a high ankle sprain. So pretty much his career as a Laker is done unless the Lakers go far into the playoffs. So mm-hmm. again, Mo Bamba, whose second year on his contract is uh, dependent on it's a team option. So we'll see what happens from there. But for today's class and today's symposium, it is a good man indeed. You got to go ahead and check him out for Magic Man in the morning on Fridays, every Friday, 7.30 a.m., Pacific, 10.30 a.m. Eastern. Want to go ahead and mention that he will also be part of what we're doing here this weekend with the Lakers fast break, including the post games and who knows what else he over the next week that he and Professor Joe Soro can cook up. Good man indeed. He's the madman from Toronto, the guy that just can't get out of Toronto traffic unless he's here to teach a class on the 1997-98 Lakers. It is Professor Sean Grice. Sean, great to have you here, ready to conduct a class. You brought this up to me as a subject because you had stated that they were the most fun team to watch in your eyes that had not won a championship. I know it has a lot of eclectic personalities, sort of a changing of the guard from the Lakers that found a lot of hard times, but we truly love their spirit in a lot of ways to a lot of the team that we came to know of as far as the dynasty that was the early 2000 Lakers. So your thoughts, my friend, in detail on the 1997-98 Los Angeles Lakers. Yeah, you know what, Gerald? that That's a great turn of phrase, Dean Glassford. A changing of the guards, so to speak. It was, it was kind of the last season between uh, the twilight zone that they were in you know they were they were coming off a, 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 a surprising season, I would say, uh, and then you know of course this is Kobe Bryant's second year, and uh, he's comes into his own as we as we come to find. We acquired Robert Ory in that January, Gerald, the season technically the season before, but in the same calendar year, obviously, and then in the summertime, obviously. A big pickup after the summer with Shaq and Kobe was uh, Rick Fox. And we basically 
kind of stole them from the Celtics, which was even more sweeter uh, looking back because at that time uh, he was ready. He says they were ready to uh, offer him a new contract. But at the same time, we also read that uh, the New York Knicks were interested in Rick Fox as well. Now he turned, it turns out that when Patino was hired in Boston, he basically didn't have to see a future for Fox in his system. And the Knicks offered Fox more money, but Foxy decided to sign with us and uh, was willing to wait a year before uh, he cashed in, which eventually he did. So, there were, like you said, Gerald, it was a changing of the guard. Um, it was the last season for both, uh, for all three, Nick Van Exel, Eldon Campbell, and Eddie Jones. Um, and the reason why I wanted to talk about this is because uh, for all the younger fans out there, if you look, if you ask most Laker fans who their favorite Lakers are, not the greatest Lakers of all time, but not necessarily, but it could be your favorite. There immediately will come up two names within about the first two minutes. Uh, one's Eddie Jones, who's me and Gerald have talked about uh, uh, very, very uh, graciously and uh, what a great player he was for, for our squad. And Nick Van Exel. Now, Nick was a second-round pick, Gerald, and eventually he got... Uh, the sort of misnomer of just being a flashy player, but there was so much substance behind the sizzle with Nick Van Exel. Um, he was never he was never in the upper echelon, but he was always entertaining for us, Gerald. I know that uh, uh, one of my favorite quirks of all time, and I'm sure I'm sure you'll uh, remember this when I start talking about it, is. Some players today can't make free throws from just the stripe. Nick went out even further. Remember that, Gerald? Yes. I yeah, did. he would take them from about 16, 17 feet. And he was an 80% free throw shooter for his career. So he was a very substantive player. He was more than just flashy passes and um, great shots. Um, also added into the mix, you know, Gerald, as much as Kobe's second year is a coming out party, it was also a coming out party for fish as well. Absolutely. Great to see this team again. It was kind of like a, uh, a passing of the torch in mm -hmm. an, un, uh, unknown way at that time for Lakers fans with all the players that were leaving us, which you look in hindsight would have created so much depth for that team. And who knows if they would have kept those players on the roster, like a Campbell, like a Jones, like a Nick Van Exel coming off the bench, have those guys come off the bench. We were still able to go ahead and obviously get the three championships, but my gosh, had we kept those guys coming off the bench, who knows? We could have gotten added another fourth or fifth title instead of what we had as far as the Slava Medvedenko's and uh, you know, the other players, uh, players coming off the bench i understand yes. salary cap wise it wouldn't have been possible but yes uh, it would have been nice would have been nice it, yes it would have been nice and uh, uh just just a little off topic eldon proved to be very valuable for uh the detroit pistons when uh when Shaq was both uh, a laker and a heat he played uh a pivotal role um eldon look i i realize eldon has somewhat of a under underwhelming reputation among a lot of Laker fans. And I can understand why, but he was a very effective player, both offensively and defensively in the low post. That was his bread and butter. Uh, not quite seven feet, but he was, he was almost 300 pounds, Gerald, and he was a big body. And yeah, uh, you know, it would have been nice to have, you know, an extra body like that instead of the Slava Medvedenko's and the Chris Mims of the world. Yes. I know Joe talked about his motor and the fact he never really blossomed as well as we thought he could or would when we drafted him. But again, I would have taken him over a Slava or a Chris mm -hmm. Mim or anyone that was coming off the bench at that time as far as uh, from a power forward slash center position. But then again, as Joe said, and as I said earlier, 
that it would have been really hard financially to keep any of those guys, especially Van Exel, who was still able to produce at a pretty good level throughout the, his years in the league. Absolutely, 100%. And, and that depth proved pivotal at the beginning of the season. I remember we got off to a scorching start. It was like, it, it was, I think it was 11 in a row. I remember, I remember we were 13 and two after 15 games. I remember that season quite vividly. The depth was, was phenomenal, especially when you had the ability to throw uh, a Rick Fox and a Kobe Bryant and Nettie Jones out there. It was, it was fun basketball because they got after it. Kobe was just coming into his own defensively. So he obviously coming off the bench, backing up Eddie Jones. Kobe's often said that when he first came into the league, one of the best mentors he probably could have had was Eddie Jones because Eddie was just a fundamentally sound defender. He didn't really get beat badly, Gerald. I mean, this is the NBA. Guys are going to get embarrassed every now and again, but Eddie usually held his own defensively. You know, a multiple all-defensive team player. Unfortunately, because he played the shooting guard position in the NBA in the 90s, he usually ended up on the second defensive team rather than the first because obviously Michael's going to get that slot. But outside of him, you know, it, you could toss it up who was a, a better shooting guard defender in the in that era, whether it was Spree, Spreewell Spree. Or well, they had four all-stars, Jones. correct? They did. They did. They did. Shaquille so who were the four all-stars? Yes. Yeah. So it was Shaquille O'Neal, Kobe Bryant, Nick Van Exel, Eddie Jones. All four were all-stars. Again, um, it just only, if only they had been able to circumvent the cap somehow to keep all those players on the roster, I think the Lakers would have won even more as far as from a standpoint as just because of the depth they could have had. But again, alas. Yeah, I mean, Jared, let's, let's you know, I, I, I really wanted to uh, sink our teeth into this one, especially because when you look back, certain things happened. I understand there was conflict, right? But there could have been a way to keep uh, Nick the Quick and Fish at the point guard position because Nick did have a three-point game. Now, it wasn't open like it is today, but he could shoot the three. And Well, he could score. The one he, thing could he could score. score and, and I Gerald, understand Shaq, Shaq and him didn't lo- have the enough, you know, the love with each other. Love them, with yeah. each other. Yes, that's right. No doubt. But uh, Gerald, Nick could play in the post. That This this was a 6-1 guard who had a jump hook. That, I mean, that's, that's how skilled he was as a scorer. So to me, I understand Fish supplanting him. You know, Nick got hurt that year. And Fish ended up starting, I think it was the last 30, 35 games. And uh, he started all games in the playoffs as well. So eventually Fish did supplant Nick. And, you know, it ended up happening the way it happened. But I agree with you, Joe, that there was a way to circumvent it. They could have dug in and, and tried because, and again, at the shooting guard position, you're kind of spoiled again. Eddie Jones... Kobe Bryant is your coming off the bench, and then you have uh, three point specialist. It all worked out, though. I mean, I mean, as Joe indicated, as he's in the comments now, he's in the classroom in the back. He indicated, and as we remind ourselves of it, Glenn Rice, who love it or hate him, uh, you know, was supposed to be that that shooter for us, and it was at times. But I wish he would have been able to do, yeah. yeah. I mean, your love for Glenn Rice only goes so far, I think, because he did help us on a couple of occasions. But, you know, overall, I thought he was going to be a better shooter and a bigger yeah. part of the equation than he ultimately was. Yeah, uh, 100% true. I mean, at, at, at that point, he had uh, already been uh, recognized as a, a, a prolific scorer and a very dead-eye shooter. And, you know... He didn't. He obviously didn't get the the touches he was going to get in uh, Charlotte that he got in L.A. because you know Shaq's the big dog, 
and everybody else is 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 kind of sharing the the load after that. But for the for the most part, I agree, Gerald. I was, you know, I love Glenn Rice and uh, very very fortunate and and uh, thankful for him for helping us win a title. But it was it was a little it was a little underwhelming his performance that one year. And then Eddie Jones, as Joe indicated, you know, we all know that Eddie Jones was moved, obviously, to elevate Kobe to a starting status. Yeah, this hindsight is 2020. This is Raphael from NBADraftJunkies.com, and you are listening to the Lakers Fast Break. Check out what's been going on with the Pop Culture Cosmo Show and the PCC Multiverse. I don't feel like that people have done that as much, especially with this international release. You can get it out there right now. I know you can get it out there, but it, it feels like this time last year, people have just been like, oh, you can get the cell phone copy, version you know? that was taped somewhere where it's like, you know, <laughs> shell shaky has some dude or some family that's walking right in front of you as they're finding their seat with the popcorn already in hand. No, you know, come that, on, you, really? yeah, that version is already available. Yeah. But I mean, like with a mono I, sound, there you go. Oh God. Yeah. That's, that's the worst part. You only get sound on the left ear, yeah. not the right ear. Something like that. You can find that version already. If you really want it. That's the pop culture Cosmo show. And the PCC multiverse. Catch our shows on worldwide radio seven days a week. And wherever you get your podcasts. It was just so fun because you could see the transition in game as far as the Eddie Jones, Nick Van Exels, what they could give you and what Kobe was going to go ahead and give you. Yeah, he only he scored average less than 10 points a game in that first year. He, he was still waiting to, to blossom out, but you could see the signs that ultimately he was going to supplant Eddie Jones. That was clear to see, but yeah. Again, hindsight is just, you see the greatness of the three championships band, but you also talk about the, on the back end. We, we always talk about the back end of what would have been, you know, with the Carl Malone, Gary Payton team on the back end, as far as them, you know, going so far and looking like they were going to win that championship until Carl Malone's injury and all subsequently just couldn't get it back together by that time. But I talk about on the front side about how good it looked as they were learning how to play with each other, learning how to develop each other. I understand some key pieces were brought in in order to go ahead and help this team win, the Ron Harpers, the Glenn Rices of the world. But looking at it now, I mean, just you see the fact that not only could you have gotten one on the backside, but you could have probably gotten one on the front front. side too. I think so, Gerald. I I really do. I mean, mean, going into uh, that year specifically – You've got, you know, Kobe and Fish are very young. Eddie and Nick are vets. Shaq is coming in. You have a mix of Rick Fox and Robert Ori and Eldon Campbell. And then, you know, because Shaq got hurt, Joe, we also had to rely on Corey Blunt. Corey, Corey Blunt was your emergency backup, and Corey Blunt was a pretty decent NBA player. I mean, he's nothing to write home about, but he made a career out of, out of being a hustler. And that's what he did. You know, unfortunately Shaq suffered a very serious stomach muscle injury during that year. I, I, I remember there was speculation. He was going to miss more time than he actually did, but you know, that was obviously a concern and Nick got hurt. So we had to deal with injuries that year, Gerald. And still with the depth, they won 61 games. They were able to meet the Supersonics, who also won 61 games. And that was back in the old Pacific Division, where it was very top-heavy. You had basically the, the Lakers, the Sonics, the, Bla- the Blazers. And, and, you know, once in a while, maybe Golden State would have a, a, a decent squad. But that was... That was the top heavy. I love what Blue said. I fell in love with the team in that season. Yeah, man. It was the most entertaining basketball I've seen that didn't result in a championship. And at the end of the year, even though I was disappointed that we lost to Utah, I was thinking, damn, this team is fun. And they won 61 games. And Kobe's, like you said, Gerald, just coming into his own now. He's blossoming. And Fish... 
is now blossoming and you're bringing Rick Fox back. Rick Fox at that point, at that point, wasn't sure whether or not he was going to come back or not based on free agency, but Jerry West found a way to re-sign him. Unfortunately, it resulted in, like you said, Gerald, that trade with Charlotte and, you know, Nick was traded to the Denver Nuggets and that really didn't work out for, for, for either one of them. But for that season, I mean, it was so, it was so much fun. It was, and the, the all-star game, that was probably the, the, if you're a Laker fan, that all-star game is probably in your top five, maybe in your top three, you have four of your own guys there. Obviously, we know what happened with Kobe and the, the slam dunk competition. You described the Utah series, obviously, that what doomed ultimately the Lakers in that year, that season, after such a promising season. And we all know, or whoever was there at that time, remembers even the promise that Kobe had, the bravado that he had, even in that game in Utah, that final game where we saw how frustrated he was the air balls that he shot i understand there was some vitriol at that time from laker fans but i think it only chose it it only served to drive kobe even more oh gerald yeah i i think that was that was kind of the 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 canary in the landmine for uh for people were questioning why is the rookie playing in such a pivotal game at a pivotal time Yes, absolutely. And you know what? That he uh for for those people who were crushing that he answered the bell time and time again. That was yeah, that I was think really... it turned out okay for the Lakers. Yeah, it sure did. Yeah, Gerald, it was you know, it was just a case of, you know, you're putting so much pressure on a second year player who's still developing an NBA mind, an NBA body, an NBA consciousness, and they gave him the ball because he was ready for whatever happened. If it went in, it went in. If it didn't, it didn't. He was going to live with it. He that's just the attitude. And people couldn't see it then who doubted him. Nope. Nobody in this room doubted him. But he just found a way to just push through that moment, Gerald. It, it, um, you know, everybody everybody has to uh come to terms with the moment of truth. And that was his moment of truth in his second year. And to me, he passed with flying colors. It's like, yeah, you fit, you failed the test, but you ultimately aced the exam. Yeah. Why, why people were asking, why did they put that young kid in there? He's only in the second year. What's going on with this? Why, why are they having, you know, such a young kid trying to be there and try to win the game for the team? You've got Shaq there. You've got so many other players there that are more experienced. This is a crucial game. I remember the flack that he got and the flack that I heard on LA radio at the time, you know, uh, you know, as far as ESPNs and the sports world, as far as I'm sure were lit up, but I remember how that the vitriol as far as for how it was, as it played itself out in that series. But you know what, again, it gave Kobe the impetus to go ahead and work harder on this game, ultimately to see what we got, but also gave him, that experience we talk about in the playoffs that so many players need. Oh yes, yes. That that's that's the metal. That's the the sandpaper we talk about, Gerald. The the mental toughness. Can you push through in the moment of truth, whether or not you're successful or you fail? And Kobe o- often talked about it. He would say, "If I failed, I failed. If I succeeded, I succeeded." I just went back into the gym the next morning and started the the process all over again and that's and those were the very very first seeds of planting that Gerald and like you said the the experts or the uh, the analysis at the time was uh, a you know a very oversimplified and I I like you said I found a very you know kind of condescending way to look at a, a second year kid who's got the the cojones to take those shots make or miss i agree with you it just it seemed like we were witnessing the death of a team with great promise yep but we were seeing the birth of what would become a truly hall of fame career 
Absolutely, absolutely. That that was it, it was almost as if watching, you know, the um the uh chronology of a, a chrysalis into a butterfly. It's 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 messy. That's the part you don't see. You see the beautiful butterfly at the end, but nobody wants to remember, you know, the messy parts. But you know, we as Laker fans, we were there with Kobe from the beginning. So we know what the messy parts look like and we just we didn't care because we had so much faith in the dude and he just wanted it. He just, like that again. That's, that's again, what I kind of loved about that team as well, Gerald, is that you, you, you had already a mix of clutch players. Nick was clutch. Kobe had the clutch gene, but he, he was only in his second year. Fish, Robert Ori. So there was the DNA there already of a team that, was very, very, very potent. And yeah, just imagine, just think of that. At that time, you had Nick Van Exel and Eddie Jones starting, and then you had Derek Fisher and Kobe Bryant coming off the bench. That's unbelievable. That's uh, you know, I would I would put that ninety seven ninety eight team against any team today. I, I think if you if you substitute, I don't know. The, They're different eras. So. Uh, I no, I realize that. I I think I think even sans the eras, I think with the ability of of understanding th- wh- how the game is played, I think you, you know. Looking back, Gerald, I mean today, if you had a three guard lineup of substitute either one of them, Nick Van Exel or Derek Fisher. And then you have Eddie Jones or Rick Fox, and then you have a Kobe Bryant. That oh my goodness! And we talk about the salary cap, obviously, with the advent and the increase of it. I mean, you wouldn't be able to afford this team, obviously. No. So, no. so <laughs> like different. Well, areas maybe the Golden well. State Warriors or <laughs> LA Clippers might be able to just you know, out that yeah. kind of money, but yeah. we but know no, Genie doesn't want to. Yeah, no, not at all. But at the time. They were spending money. I believe they did go go a little bit over the cap, if I'm not mistaken. I'll have to double check, but I, I believe they had to. So just I know. To... I know Professor Soro from the back has stated that uh, that Shaq would have struggled on defense a lot today because of the pick and roll. He didn't mm-hmm. even attempt to guard the pick and roll. Let's just yeah, put, no. Let's just put it out there. He did. Okay, drop coverage. He would love drop coverage in today's NBA. Oh, yeah. He would absolutely love drop coverage. That would he be sure not would. an issue for him. Yeah, yeah, no, he, he definitely, he definitely would. That wouldn't have been an issue. And yeah, sure, today's game, you know, if if he was out there, they would probably try and bring him out into the perimeter. It's it's it, you know we, we can talk till the cows come home about you know whether or not this team would work with that. But it's a it's a fun conversation to me because this, like you said, Jerv. This team was uh, was uh, changing of the guard. It went from basically one era to another. And yeah, it was a changing of the guard, as we as we said, because you, know, you had so many. You know, Joe himself has has expressed his love, and you've expressed your love for those mid nineteen nineties teams, and how they're they've almost been forgotten about, even though they were very much loved. They didn't you know they ended up not winning anything as far as titles or anything as far as Lakers lore, but we miss the players because, you know, despite any small controversies that Nick Van Exel created, we loved him as a player because he was so fun to watch. Eddie Jones was really solid year in, year out. The promise of Vlade and Eldon, you were hoping that those two seven footers would be able to go ahead and man the post. And you just had a lot of things in place that seemed like for a very fun team. Ultimately, it wasn't going to be a team that was going to, you know, take you to the promised land. But a lot of those pieces were ultimately discarded for other pieces brought in that did bring us those three world championships. Oh, Gerald. Yes, yes. And, um, you know, I, I often use the analogy of the uh, the light bulb in the basement when you when you it's old and you're not sure if it's going to work and you turn it on and it flickers just. There's a flicker and then it goes out. That 97, 98 team, it was like you turn the light on and it stayed on. Even though they lost at Utah, it was, okay, we see the light here. We see what they're building. 
let's see what happens in the future. And, uh, you know, again, what, what made that season a little bit more, more special was unfortunately there was a lot of lockout talk and we did have to deal with that with a shortened season the next year. And it, 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 Hey, Joe, there is uh, Professor Joe. You no, know, he's 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 walking up from he, the back. You know, he's walked up to the right now up to the podium here. So go ahead, finish on. Yeah, no, I was just gonna say, yeah, no, that uh, that shortened season, Gerald. That was that was before 2012-2013. That was that was the last year the Lakers went through three head coaches. So it was, it, it, they made significant changes, and that shortened season. It didn't work out, but we all know what happened. And to me, the the fruits of that were the 97-98 team. Like, uh, if I had to rank my favorite Laker teams, they would definitely be in the – like, I've seen six championships, so they would definitely still be in the top ten, 100%. We're signaling the ref for a quick timeout, but we'll be back with more of the Lakers Fast Break Podcast. Hey, Lakers fans. Looking for the best place to go for up-to-date news, information, original videos, articles, podcasts, opinion pieces, and discussions about the Los Angeles Lakers? Well, look no further than Lakerholics.com. With a legion of followers always there talking about everything Lakers and the NBA, there's no better place to go to share your fandom as the team heads toward another championship run. So stop by and be part of the conversation today at Lakerholics.com. Professor Soro has moved up to the front podium now. I know, as you've said before, we've talked about this. You've also mentioned this on, on several of our regular shows about how much love you have for those mid-1990s teams and how fun they were to watch. No, ultimately, they did not get anything done as far as the world championship is concerned, Professor Soro. But you got to admit, they were fun to watch. And seeing them transition into the team with the changes that were made, the acquisition of Shaq, the draft day trade for Kobe Bryant that you saw in that second year start to see fruition, you started to see the signs that this team, by the end of the 1990s, by the end of the 1990s, was really going to rock and roll. Yeah, the team between 94, 93, 96, I'd say was <clears throat> was a group that we all identified with. It was kind of like a new era. This was our our players, especially me being uh in the in the at the neck, you know, in the middle of my high school life. This was the transition from Showtime to this new aged young up and coming type team. So they had a they 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 got Nick Van Exel in the second round in 1992 if I if I'm correct. 93, sorry. Which to get a player that good that late at that time was very rare. Obviously Eddie Jones out of Temple in the first round. What the reason why we loved Eddie Jones is he obviously played hard. He was kind of unassuming and 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 quiet and just kind of all business with no negatives you know a lot of times that that kind of is endearing to 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 a lot of us because it's just kind of a guy that comes out and does his does his work and has a lot of respect he always did good interviews he always was nice to everyone Vlade Divac I don't think gets enough credit for how amazing his basketball IQ was we love Vlade and Vlade loved LA which is why we love them so much too. Eldon Campbell was an enigma at the time. He just didn't seem like he was, he was kind of the Kwame Brown of his era in terms of there was a lot of talent there that never was used enough. And a lot of it was self-inflicted. I never knew, we never really knew why, but it was always there. And then of course, some of the, un, 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 you know, for, for the, for the, Newer Laker fans, the last 20 years, let's say, guys like Siddell Three, guys like Terry Teagle, these guys all, again, kind of played their roles and became kind of, you know, L.A., the Lakers, we make C-plus players look like stars. That's just what we do. 
Fidel three might have been one of the most popular Lakers in the nineties, and that that's pretty crazy to say because he came from Seattle and he, he wasn't even homegrown. But we loved them because we just again he just balled out and played well and just kind of again gave us that transition time between Showtime and the Shaq and Kobe era where. You know, we still enjoyed really good games. The series against the Spurs, the upset against the uh, the Sonics. You know, they 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 played hard. And they, and I think we appreciated stuff then a little bit more than we do now. I think if if you had fast forwarded the '90s team to now, we'd probably be more harsh because we've been manipulated into believing there's certain things we need to see now versus before. Yes, I will admit that I sometimes fall into that that you know that hole. But it's also a mentality thing. You can't just base it off of you being a certain way back then. It's just I think we expected and thought differently then. So, and I, and what I mean by that is, you know, it's funny. I always hear about well, if LeBron was in the '80s or uh, you know '90s, he never would have been what he was, right? Well, that's that's kind of stupid because if you're basing it off skill, you're an idiot. Number one. But at the same time, if if LeBron was raised in the 70s and 80s, he would have had that same mentality too. It's a, it's a it's a matter of culture and generation where certain people get raised in, and that's what kind of develops it. So if, imagine LeBron. Imagine if LeBron was born in the 70s and he was, let's say, Len Bias. You know what would Len Bias have done? There's been word that Len Bias. If you look at Len Bias's physique is very similar to LeBron's, just wide-shouldered, you know, just he-man, basically. Uh, maybe not the ball skills that LeBron has, but that that that's a good composition there in terms of what what you could have probably seen if if LeBron had played in that era. So again, our mindset was different. Um, I'm ashamed to say that I, I am more critical now than I was then. Uh, maybe because we were kids, or maybe because of the era. I don't know, but. It was a very good time looking back on it now, uh, and it turned into the perfect glue between the two dynasties. And heck, I look at it as, hey, even when we weren't winning championships, our team was still entertaining us, and we were still enjoying basketball in between it. Because I get on, I get on a lot of my Bulls fans, Bulls friends, or the, the ones that are both Bull fans. I grew up around a lot of people from Chicago, a lot of Bulls fans, right? Man, the second Jordan retired. All those cowards ran off. You know they didn't watch Tim Floyd and the whatever era after that. They they went they were gone. We stuck. We stuck around even for Randy Fun. We stuck around, and we stayed Laker fans. And that's what makes us special. We didn't run off like a bunch of weenies and maybe cared about the Bulls once Derrick Rose was 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 in Chicago. But even then, I don't think it's, it's still not the same. Once again, it is Lakers Fast Break University here at the Lakers Fast Break Podcast. We thank you so much for attending class today. We truly appreciate it as we discuss the 1997-98 Los Angeles Lakers. Just want to spend about another just five minutes, and then we'll discuss the injury update again as far as what's going on with the Lakers now. But Magic Man and Soro, any final thoughts on the 97-98 Lakers? Again, Magic Man, you have always described them as the most fun team you've ever seen that didn't end up winning a championship. 100%, no doubt, no doubt. And there was, there was balls to the bone. They won 61 games, and it was fun the whole way through. And then we got to the playoffs, and we beat both teams from the Pacific Northwest. That was so sweet. You beat Portland, and then you beat Seattle. That was sweet, especially when Seattle punked us in the first game and everybody was ready to write us off as, oh, well, yeah, you know, they won a round, but, you know, they, they can't go deep. They can't go deep. I, I remember hearing that so much. And to me, like Joe was saying, it was a mix. That team was a mix, like, on a championship team, you can't have all Mercedes, you can't have all Porsches, you can't have all Lambos. You need a truck, you need a Jeep, you need something that can haul. They had all of that. Alden could haul. Shaq was your Jeep. Kobe, Rick Fox, Nick Van Exel, there, there were your Mercedes. 
it was it was just an like you said, Gerald, great word, an eclectic group, and it, it was. and it was, and they meshed, they meshed very well. Now, a couple guys got substituted out. You know what? That happens if you if you want an omelet, you got to break some eggs. I was really really sad when Eddie Jones got traded. But it was for Glenn Rice, and Glenn Rice is a really good player, and it led to a championship. But for me, they were the most exciting team. Like I stayed up late, and we didn't. We only had like a basic cable at that point. But even TNT was on, and I would stay up late and watch the Lakers doubleheader because they were that exciting to watch. Once again, it's the Lakers Fast Break, Lakers Fast Break University. We're discussing the 1987-88 Lakers. Again, a very fun team and obviously a team in transition as we saw them evolve from the middle 1990s Los Angeles Lakers that were very much a part of what we wanted to see. They were really great and really fun to watch, but ultimately didn't get to the promised land. But that led into the team that we saw dominate the early 2000s. Joe, any last thoughts before we touch on the injury update for today's now 2023 Lakers? It ended badly. Unfortunately, uh, Utah swept us in the Western Conference Finals. That's the, I guess that was that those that year and then the following year were terrible endings to what eventually would catapult Dr. Buss to getting the last piece of the dynasty piece. So they, even though we we lost that year, it was it was a beginning of a run that we didn't see until two years later. I I have I, I've always just talked up Rick Fox for taking less money and Doctor Buss rewarding him after that. Th- those type of things is what's cr- what created that that team that that dynasty, and I, and that's when it started. It started with. 97 98 that that particular year well i mean technically it started when Shaq signed and kobe was drafted and so was Derek but Fisher, but you know what joe they just it, it was just looking back though brother it was all a snowball because yeah they signed Shaq and they drafted kobe but then they traded for robert ori and then the next summer they got rick fox they they, and they traded for glenn like it was just a snowball and we couldn't see it at the time we thought okay they they do have they are a contender and they do have championship aspirations, but you never know, right? But man, that was a snowball that they created. It was, and and it was a it was a three year stretch that Jerry West put together that isn't really discussed enough. Believe it or not, I, everyone knows he's the greatest executive, at least in my eyes, the greatest executive in NBA history. But I don't. I don't think you. I don't think most Laker fans out there understand how unbelievable his run was in acquiring and drafting in those three seasons. We look at Doc Glenn Rice as a bad trade in a lot of ways. I don't know why. If you watched the 2000 season, the 99-2000 season, Glenn Rice never let anyone really get comfortable. Because he was a dead-eye shooter. He was a he was ahead of his time. He was a three-point shooter in an era that wasn't really a three-point shooting era. So if 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 Phil Jackson doesn't put his foot off the gas, the Lakers probably would have won 69 games at the end of 2000. They were 67 and 13. And they were playing Dallas. I believe they went to overtime against. I can't remember if it was Dallas or San or, or San Antonio. And is and he, uh, Doc, uh, Dr. Bus. I keep saying Dr. Bus. Phil Jackson didn't play the starters in overtime. He was trying to save them up for the playoffs. So you can't tell me that Glenn Rice didn't impact that season from a from a from a regular season standpoint, and even in the playoffs to some degree, he did make an impact. He he scored almost 16 points a game as a third option and never complained. There was never any issues other than his wife and Phil Jackson saying some stuff and his wife yapping around. 
So I was very happy with Glenn Rice. The only reason why we didn't re-sign Glenn Rice is because he wanted more money. That's it. It wasn't because they didn't want him back. And you were able to replace him with, with Rick Fox and bring in Horace Grant and then creating what, in my eyes, is probably the greatest basketball team I've ever seen from March of 2001 till December of 2001 between two seasons. And all that really, all that, all that process started, all the pieces that were involved, that incline to dynasty mode was because of 97, 98. We'll be back with more of the Lakers fast break podcast. Needing an edge for your fantasy football team? Listen to the guys at Inside Sports Fantasy Football for insight that will help you reach your league championship. That's Inside Sports Fantasy Football. Check it out today on your favorite podcast outlet. I'll tell you what, though, a lot of great memories that we do have from 97 to 98 as we saw the birth of really where Kobe, the promise, was there. And and four all-stars and and so much fun that team was. Exactly. And to me, there's two there's two moments for, for Kobe in that season, Gerald. Obviously, the Utah series is one of them. But for me, it's that pic, uh, that uh, image of him with his hands on his knees talking to MJ at half court. And that windmill dunk he pulled in that game at the United Center. Mwah. Like when when he went in for that, I think it was I think he was like he changes his mind. If you walk, if you look back, he changes his mind on what he's going to do. I think he just wanted to just, you know, either just slam it home or, or put it up. But he went for the windmill. He must have peeked to see if Mike was paying attention because that was just a thing of beauty. And I'll I'll remember that season. For the Utah series and those missed shots, but I will always remember that windmill dunk. Well, there you go, indeed. But guys, before we head on out of class, we, you know, obviously dismissed our students for today. Once again, it's the Lakers Fast Break. Welcome to Lakers Fast Break University. It is Dean Gerald Glasser along with Professors Joe Soro and Professor Sean Grice. Don't forget, Magic Man in the morning tomorrow. He's going to have a lot to say. It is game preview time as we preview the Toronto Raptors and the Los Angeles Lakers. It's going to be fun to watch in the morning. Will Joe be up for it? Who knows? Will I be up for it? Who knows? We'll see. But you never know what's going to go on with Magic Man in the morning. Plus also as well, of course, playback.tv slash Lakers fast break for the Lakers against Toronto. You can go ahead and watch along with us. And then it all leads into our awesome post game tomorrow night as the Toronto Raptors and Los Angeles Lakers face off. And we'll go ahead and talk about that. But before we head on out, guys, wanted to go ahead and update everyone on some injury matters. As I stated at the beginning of class, D'Angelo Russell is finally coming back. Finally coming back. He practiced well with the team. And Darvin Ham, Coach Ham said, you know what? We're going to go ahead. It looks like it's going to be a go for D'Angelo Russell for tomorrow night's game against Toronto. So I know that's something that Joe has talked about repeatedly about how important he is getting him back, especially for this weekend set of games against a a very hungry Toronto Raptors who have lost two on the road on the West Coast. And then also as well playing the very hot New York Knicks on Sunday. So looking forward to seeing how well D'Angelo Russell will play in these two games coming back. Guys, I know that's going to be something of, of concern for you to watch. Joe, any thoughts on D'Angelo Russell? I know that's something you've been talking about, how important mm-hmm. he is to this mix without LeBron in the lineup. Yeah, there's going to be a little bit more stability in the offense and the way it's going to run. And look for Beasley to have better games now with someone who can actually penetrate with the threat of a somewhat mid-range game or three-point game and be able to pass. You know, I got to hand it to Dennis Schroeder. He did his best this last few weeks, even though that's not necessarily his game. 
but he did very, very well in, in, in D'Angelo and LeBron's absence. So, But it would be nice now that he doesn't have to worry about that coming off the bench. And I'm expecting a, a good game tomorrow and hopefully a good game on Sunday. The reason, if you're wondering why I, I'm on my phone for tonight's show, I'm trying to test it to see if I can... I wanted to see how the audio and how the visuals would be because I am... 95% sure that I am going to do the Buffalo Wild Wings Blazing Challenge tomorrow between 11 and 12. Okay, there you go. The gauntlet has been thrown. He did say he was going to do it. He did. He is going to live up to the bet that he promised way back when, when he said if the Lakers, what was it? What was the original bet? The Lakers win how many games? Five in a row. It was five, yeah. Yeah, five in a row. So absolutely. He said he was going to live up to the challenge, just a matter of question of when, making sure he was going to get, be able to get the right feed so everybody could see it. And if that's the case, it's going to be something great to see. Magic Man, any thoughts tomorrow as D'Angelo Russell heads back into the lineup for the Los Angeles Lakers? Yeah, Gerald. You know, uh, I think uh, I felt pretty good about the about the overall game to begin with, but now that D'Lo is going to be uh, inserted back into the uh, starting lineup, I think I think we're good. I, I, um, I saw the Raptors just collapse in the second half. They pulled the Los Angeles Lakers first half of twenty twenty two, actually. Uh, Does that concern like, you though? Because I mentioned you you mentioned before you were concerned which LA team they would yeah. play better against. Yes, yes. So obviously they've de- they decided well we're we're probably going to give our best effort against the Lakers. Mm-hmm. So I'm pretty sure they're going to come in hungry. You I know, know no word has been given on Fred Van Vliet as of yet after his comments after the dead. He was game. fined thirty thousand dollars. The announcement was made while the show started. Oh, okay. So that has been updated. Thank yeah, you. Yeah, and I want to thank I want to thank Frank. I want to I want to I want to thank Fred Van Fleet for putting his uh, you know what on the table on that one because and he called someone out specifically. He called someone out specifically. It was one of the few times I've seen a player in any sport call out a specific name and then basically say, "I don't give a crap if you find me, you can eat it." And I'm paraphrasing, obviously, because I'm sure he was wanting to say the words. But this is not a Laker excuse, even though the refereeing has cost the Lakers, at least from my memory, four games deliberately. Okay? Two games the Lakers lost because of the free throws. Imagine the difference. I want you guys to go and look at the records. Imagine if the Lakers had six more wins. It would be a completely different season. And this is something that sometimes you need to get hit in the face to realize what an idiot you are. And I'm one of those idiots to actually look back on those things, those little things that make a difference and, and tell you that, you know what, maybe you guys, you know, just overreact. And that's, I think what we've done in a lot of cases and, in areas where it wasn't necessarily our fault. And I don't know. I, I just, I don't know. I, 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 I want, I want the Lakers to continue to play the way they've been playing, praying that they don't turn an ankle again tomorrow, again on Sunday. It just seems like everyone's playing tag. One game, LeBron is out. He comes back. Then he's out. Then D'Angelo leaves, and then Bamba's out. It's like it's all the same injuries, too. And then you look at Durant, who's out for two to three weeks. It's, 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 I don't, what is going on here? Like, seriously, what is going on with the NBA and ankles? Mm-hmm. I, I really want to know. I really want to know what's going on. Well, I will say again, though, when it comes to Mo Bamba, he is pretty much gone for the season. His tenure mm-hmm. as a Laker is most likely over, unless there's a long playoff run for the Lakers in, in mind, because it was announced he has a high ankle sprain and is done for four weeks. And that pretty much is going to be the, the Lakers season right there for you. So magic man, the question remains, professor Sean Grice, 
Is it worth investing in Mo Bamba another year from what we saw? I'm going to say no. I know what Stone Hansen would say because he is the <laughs> Mo Bamba detractor of all of us. Uh, I'm going to say that, you know, if we do bring him back, I would only bring him back on a minimum, but that's just me. Uh, I don't even think an MLE for him at this point. Uh, Gerald, I agree 100% with every bullet point you just made. I, um, I don't think he'll be back. If he is, it, it, it will obviously be on a minimum because he's not going to get the MLE. Um, well, he might get it from another team, but I don't. He think might he get it from another team, but it won't be from us. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't know about that because the You're the, the I, I the whole like you, you and you said this earlier, Gerald. The whole point of acquiring Mo Bamba was that you would have LeBron James on the floor with him. Yeah. And now that that's not going to happen, uh, like you said, Gerald, and like Stone has said, and like Joe has said, and I've said, and Mo Bamba, not our cup of tea, and he's probably not going to be on the team next year. Doesn't look like it. I mean, as someone, he, he probably his best scenario would have been a full and healthy LeBron James, and him. He's the type of player that probably would have taken advantage of of you know the strong suits in LeBron James's game. But like you said, as soon as LeBron James went out of the lineup, that kissed his any chance of him being picked up again for second year by the Lakers. I think so. Pretty much, I think his career is done as a Los Angeles Lakers, unless. We see a long run for the Lakers playoff run, which we hope we will. So maybe we will see that happening. But for now, he's going to be out for four weeks with a high ankle sprain. But for us tomorrow, it is, again, a full day of Lakers fast break for you. It starts with Magic Man in the morning. Looking forward to that. He's got some great stuff as he previews the Toronto game against the Los Angeles Lakers. Joe Soro. Has the Wings Challenge in mind, the Lakers Fast Break Wings Challenge. He's going to be able to do that around what time, my friend? My hope is between 11 and 12 tomorrow. Oh, that's awesome. That's awesome to hear. And then, of course, as uh, Joe is trying to go ahead and do that, we'll go ahead and also prepare for tomorrow night's playback.tv slash Lakers Fast Break game that you can watch along with us. It's going to be available after 7 p.m. going to have a light lit up and ready to go for you right there. So just go ahead and join us there. And then, of course, after the game, the Lakers fast break, the post game, the best post game on the Lakers that's out there here at the Lakers fast break. I do want to mention, though, that with the Lakers fast break, there is March Madness coming. So March Madness, you want to go ahead. These These tournaments are now winding down as far as the conference tournaments this weekend and the March Madness field will be set. Go ahead and join the ESPN March Madness Bracket Challenge today. Look for the group Lakers Fast Break and join us. Sean Grice, Henry Hill, Stone Hansen, they've all said they're going to go ahead and join up. So go ahead and join us today at the ESPN March Madness Bracket Challenge. Looking forward to that. But guys, are you looking forward to a great day tomorrow? I can't wait, Joe. Can't wait. Like Bart Scott said, can't wait. Can't wait. Can't wait. Joe. Bart Scott is a dink. <laughs> I love that quote. Yeah, but he's a dink. Are you ready to chomp on those wings, my friend? Uh, I'm ready, but my tongue might not be. Okay. Well, if you're going to be able to do it in the afternoon, I will do it on the Lakers postgame. I'll have a setup for the wings on the postgame with some nice hot sauce as well. So. There you go. Absolutely. I said, if you're going to do it, I'm going to do it as far as the Wings Challenge is concerned. It looks like you're going to do it in the afternoon, live from remote, and I'll end up doing it for the post game as well. So looking forward to that. What a guy. What a guy. What a guy. Well, I said, you know, we're all a team here at the Lakers Fast Break. It is Professor Joe Soro. Go ahead and check him out today at LakersBall.com. It's Ox1947. And, of course, Professor Joe Soro's business, Simblades. Symbolates with a Y.com if you're in the Southern California area. And with Magic Man, please go ahead and support him. He's gotten some great love so far. It is Magic mm-hmm. Man in the morning coming right at you tomorrow morning. And we want to thank so much everybody for being a part of what we do. 
like and subscribe today. Please subscribe to what we're doing. We're at 510 subscribers, but we need more support from you out there. So if you subscribe today, you get the latest notifications of when Magic Man in the Morning might happen. Lakers History 101 will be on. Even Do You Know Your Lakers Trivia. All the stuff that we do, including the awesome post games and maybe even a Wings Challenge. If you subscribe, mm. you'll know when it happens when we go live. Always right here at the Lakers Fast Break. So for Professor Joe Sorrow, Professor Magic Man, Sean Grice, this is Dean Gerald Glassford. want to thank you so much for attending today's class here at Lakers Fast Break University. And for everyone out there, have a great evening. And for now, class is dismissed.